0: What is going on, Fantasy Alarm family? My name is Justin Fetsterman, as always, along with Ryan Hallam and Matt Sells. It is the Family Times podcast here on fantasyalarm.com, talking a lot of football and then some. And when I say and then some soon enough, it's going to be a lot more than then some. It's going to be a lot more of other sports as we head towards the NFL playoffs and say goodbye to our fantasy football season, final week to go. And because we have just one more week we got to bring this guy on at least one more time here. We had him on a few weeks ago. He is back for more. Why he decided to come back and join us again this freak show, I have no idea, but Justin Freeland is once again walking the plank. Justin, what's going on, man? You, you sure you know what you're walking into again after last time?
1: <laughs> yes, I enjoyed it last time and Cells gave me the breakdown of like what we're going to be discussing today and it sounded like a pretty pretty fun episode today, so. But
0: oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely, because we're going to do something that not a lot of fantasy sports analysts like to do. We are going to admit that we were actually wrong about some players. Everybody likes talking about their players that they were right about. I was best this guy, that guy. I'm the best accuracy ranker in fantasy sports forever. But then... It takes a real fantasy sports analyst to admit that they make mistakes like everybody else. And that's why we're going to talk about some of the players that we were right about and some of the players we were wrong about when looking at the entire fantasy football season. But guys and cells, and this is where I could start with you here before we kind of go around a little circle and talk about it. Then we'll get to the family table after. There's a big difference because people often use the phrase league winners. We were just talking about this before the episode began. There's a difference between league winner type of players and those that have just been good value picks for all or most of the year. And I just want to put that out there, that distinguish out there before we start talking about which players were actually good value picks. Because someone like a Cordero Patterson, who really wasn't drafted but picked up two weeks into the season, I'll say this and you guys can tell me what you think. Even though the last few weeks the production has been light, he has still been the pickup
2: of the year in fantasy football. Sells, what do you think? Yeah, I find it pretty hard to argue, um, especially from a running back perspective. There weren't really that many quality running backs you could pick up um, at all, really, this entire year. I would say that value pickups depend on position for me because there's some in every one. Like, for example, I got Joe Burrow midseason because somebody dropped him after a bad week. And I wrote him to a championship, right? He put up like 40-something points three times in the last four games or something. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown, wide receiver. That guy's been on fire the last five weeks. So, yeah, there's a difference between league winners, uh, which are, you know, your top flight picks that you expect to dominate for you week in and week out. They're plug-and-play guys. And then there's the guys that you can pick up midseason that just came out of nowhere and did quality work for you down the stretch.
1: And I see, that's where I would say that, like, there's a difference between Patterson and someone like Amon Ross St. Brown. To me, Amon Ross St. Brown is a league winner because yep. yeah, he was, he did nothing the whole season for you, but in playoffs, when it mattered, he went out there and balled every week and helped you win your league. Whereas Patterson was the guy that helped you get there. You know, he was like, like Fancy said, obviously the best pick of the year, in my opinion. I mean, he, gave you the whole season pretty much outside other than playoffs. He didn't give you anything in play. Hopefully you weren't playing in the playoffs, but there's definitely the difference between those two, like as far as league winner and pickup of the year.
0: Let's talk about guys when it comes to players that we were right and wrong about. I mean, we could all, we could keep this kind of organized here and just talk about some of these players. And I'll start out with a player that I at least was wrong about and this player I thought I had pegged. I thought it was going to be a tremendous value pick when we started to really look at some of these players. This guy was going in around the eighth round, early eighth. And then he went up by the end of draft season all the way to the sixth round. And that's Robbie Anderson. I thought the familiarity with Sam Darnold was going to be perfect. He's got DJ Moore a Heater by him. It's not like he's got crap like he had on the Jets. So these two guys I thought were going to connect. And at the start of draft season, especially when I was starting our ADP TV series, that was someone that I said, eighth round, I'll go all day for a guy. I thought that Robbie Anderson, Ryan, was going to be a league winner type of pick. I thought throughout the entire year and especially turning it up at the end, thinking that opposing defenses would key in on DJ Moore, a bit more pun intended. So with that, I thought Robbie Anderson was in a perfect spot and a lot of other analysts did because he started to move up draft boards. But, man, that quarterback play in Carolina just really destroyed his value, Ryan.
3: Yeah, but even before that, I mean, Donald was looking like an MVP through the first four or five weeks, and he still wasn't. He wasn't even getting targets. That was the crazy part. Like, by week three, you know, Robbie Anderson was on milk cartons all over the fantasy football landscape. So I I, he's, I don't have an answer for that one either. I, I, did, I wasn't as high on him as some people, uh, but I sure as hell thought he was going to have a heck of a lot better season than he did. Uh, but again, yeah, like once you said, once we hit like mid October, you could have put Cooper Cup on that team, and and it wasn't gonna, you know, he wasn't even gonna do well. The quarterback play just got worse and worse and worse uh, as the season went on. Cam came in, had like a good half, and then he reverted back to what we saw in New England, and then when Darnold came back, he's not been any better. So, you know, Anderson was kind of doomed by the circumstances, but even right out of the gate, he wasn't lighting the box scores up.
0: What about you, Justin, when it comes to someone that you were all in on, maybe drafted on multiple teams, and he just didn't come through, who was one of those players for you? All
1: right, I, I would start with a singular player, but I'm going to start with an entire group that I just whiffed miserably on, which was rookie quarterbacks. I was in on Lawrence, I was in on Lance, I was in on Fields, all three of them. Fields was mostly terrible. Lawrence was complete garbage. I mean, he didn't – one of the worst fantasy quarterbacks you could possibly have, and Lance, you know, never played. So that entire <laughs> – I mean, if you – and it's so funny to me because, like, last year we see, you know, Burrow and Herbert, both are amazing rookie fantasy QBs, and then this year is just, like, the polar opposite. All these guys were just useless, and I, I was in on them, and it just did not work out in any situation.
0: Justin, I'll say this, though. Our own Ryan Hallam over here calling it since the day after draft day that it was going to be Jimmy G all the way. Everybody was just so excited. And Ryan's like, well, where's the experience with Lance that you just want to give him the keys to the kingdom immediately? So, Ryan, I got to give you some props here, man. You stuck with that, and now Jimmy G's been hurt. But you were right. That was a big thing you were right about this year. You came on the radio and talked to us about it because everybody gets excited with the shiny new toy, and that is those rookie quarterbacks drafted so early, and everybody was seeing the glitz and the glam regarding Trey Lance, maybe even Justin being one of those guys. And you were going on there saying, well, what did Jimmy G do to not deserve to start versus Lance's inexperience? And once you brought that up, Rye, I was like – Though it makes that
3: much more sense now why Jimmy G would be starting this year. Well, there's three reasons really why it made sense. One, because although they have stumbled their way through the season, I do believe they came into the year with at least a deep run into the playoff aspirations and possibly going back to the Super Bowl. I mean, they were in it in 2019, and the whole team was hurt in 2020. So they brought everyone back and brought in a few good draft picks. So like, there was no reason to think they weren't going to be successful. Two was when Jimmy's played, he's been good. So I don't know why, you know, there was a reason to sit him right away. And three was Lance, you know, played at a small school, North Dakota State, played one game the year before because of COVID and started one season. So he had like 11 starts at, you know, a very small college under his belt coming into the NFL. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan's system is not exactly the easiest one in the world to pick up. Uh, So I, I, uh, I did think he would start before the season was over and he, he wouldn't have if Garoppolo didn't get hurt. So I was a little off there, uh, but I I didn't see any reason why he would just come in and start from the, from the, from the jump, because it was just too many reasons that, that, that just didn't make sense.
1: And see, here's one thing I did with that is I didn't think he'd start from the jump either. I was thinking like week five ish, maybe six, whatever, in that range he'd start. Um, so in a lot of leagues that I did go for Lawrence, I paired with Lance and I thought one of them is going to hit.
3: Yeah. Well, Lawrence is a shocker to me how bad he was.
1: I mean, and then, you know, as it turned out, Lance never played and Lawrence was terrible. So just it that. That strategy of those two together did not work out at all, but uh, for <laughs> Lawrence, yeah, it was a mess uh, from the, the funny thing
3: is, and, and you're a Jaguars fan, but I see some things like he's going to have input on the new coach. I'm like, he not proven shit yet. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, guys do bust. I, I know he's like a generational talent and probably he's going to be okay. And this was this really bad season under really bad coach and tumultuous circumstances and injuries and such. But are, are, we, are we 100% sold? Like he's going to start picking parts of the, the coaching staff after one year? I thought that was kind of crazy. That could have just been something in the media, but I did hear that. And I just figured I'd bring it up since you're a Jaguars fan.
1: Well, one thing I will say is I've seen a lot of Lawrence hate based on his stat line this season, which is terrible. But I mean, I, what I will say is the, I mean, Urban Meyer experiment was just an absolute disaster. Obviously the O-line is terrible. And for like the last two months, his number one receiver has been Laquan Treadwell. Mm-hmm. I mean, La- Laquan Treadwell. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like he doesn't have a tight end. I mean, he has nothing around him. I mean, Chark missed the entire season.
0: Bro, Dan Arnold was gaining steam. He was really starting. He was leading the target share for a little bit there and then he
1: got hurt. And right, and that my point, Dan Arnold. (laughs)
2: Like, that should
1: not be your guy. Like, come on. I mean
2: right to uh, report a point and use and use Dan Arnold is the rebut of the point. <laughs>
3: Listen,
2: hey man,
0: I'm just trying to like think about what happened this year. They traded for Dan Arnold and you're like thinking that's a cute trade. And then O'Shaughnessy gets hurt and boom, they actually utilized him. And it's to the point where dude, he was picking up a lot of targets. You see the crap sales we had to
2: deal with, with tight end this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that I mean, that's why Coop is known as the tight end whisperer and he's been dead on the money on a lot of guys. Um, but speaking of a guy I missed on, I was in on Allen Robinson. Yeah. Thought, I thought the quarterbacks weren't going to matter because it's never mattered for Allen Robinson, right? When has he ever had a good starting quarterback? All the way back to Jacksonville, right? Never had a good starting quarterback. Guy has put up very good numbers, and then he flat disappeared. Like, is he still on the Bears roster? Or are we sure about this? Because – Haven't seen him, you know, obviously he dealt with some stuff too, but I was off on Allen Robinson. I I thought he would be a perfectly fine wide receiver too.
1: I mean, he's been consistent always. It's crazy that he was (laughs) so bad. I remember tweeting last week he had four catches for 35 yards. I was like, hey, one of his best games of the season. Like that's, it was a joke, but it was actually serious too because it actually (laughs) was one of his best games somehow, which is just like crazy to me, but. I don't know what happened with him. That was wild. In
0: full-point PPR leagues, in which touchdowns are six points per reception, he scored in double figures. Well, A, he scored like one touchdown all year. He hit double figures in PPR twice this year. Twice. That's it. And we're not talking he had himself a 25-point game. He had two 10-point games. (laughs) I was was about to say.
1: Half PPR, he had zero games with 10 points all season. I had him on one – I remember picking him in one league where I took a couple gambles on some other guys. I was like, this is my safe pick right here in a He's too. always consistent. He's always consistent. And then he was just – by week oh four, God. I was like, I, I can't even play this guy. Like, he is awful. Yep, that's another
3: miss there too. What were you saying, Ryan? I said, and then by week eight, you're like, does this guy even have to be on the roster anymore? Like, I dropped him in a couple leagues. That's how bad it got, but – yeah, I, I everyone missed on that one. I think that was pretty much across the board. Uh, one, that I, it's not a miss that I drafted and he played crappies. one that I just never draft is Joe Mixon, uh, and usually because he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns and dudes balling out with sixteen. With uh, well, I guess he's not gonna play this week, so he's gonna finish the season with twelve hundred yards and sixteen uh, touchdowns. So career year for a guy that I never draft. Uh, so those who, those believers who stuck by him and continue to draft him in the second round, uh, you got paid off this year. Uh, I will continue to not trust him, though.
0: Well, speaking of very quickly, guys, Joe Mixon, Ryan, like you mentioned, Joe Mixon on the COVID list, he's actually going to be out testing positive. So it's Samaj P. Ryan. And being that we have Justin Vreeland here who writes the running back coach for our DFS playbook on DFSAlarm.com. And you can give Justin a follow at Justin Vreeland V-R- E-E-L-A-N-D. Justin, what do you think about Samaje Ryan going into week 18?
1: I mean, it's pretty easy to like him, honestly, because we've seen a lot of PPR work with him already, like in like in the passing game. So, you know, he's going to keep that role, like, obviously in week 18, plus get some carries. I mean, I, with how explosive their offense is right now, it's hard not to like, like him filling in for Mixon.
0: Yeah, so for all of you out there, again, if you haven't made the adjustment on your rosters and picking up somebody, there's not much when it comes to running backs to pick up off of the waiver wire. But at this point, you're just looking for volume. You see someone that has the potential of getting 10 plus carries. You're going to look at reserves from like the Eagles gross at this point. I mean, that's where you're looking. This is why playing in week 18 and we can do a whole other episode regarding whether or not we should be playing in week 18 or not. But we digress for now. We'll we stick with what's going on because we also need to hear from Ryan regarding a player that he was heavily invested in that just did not work out. Who was one of those players, Ryan?
3: Uh, I can stick to my uh, hometown and stick with Brandon Ayuk. After last year, I kind of thought he would come in and explode, and he caught – I don't know. We'll never know if it was that hamstring injury or if it was Shanahan's doghouse or what, but, uh, he, uh, he was with, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson and was not even getting on the field or targets. Like he was merely their punt returner for probably the first six weeks of the year, uh, injuries and other things come into play. And he's finally gotten his opportunity here later in the season. and, And most of the time made the most of it, but, uh, he tanked pretty good before he, uh, he got rolling. And he's a guy that I, Probably if if I waited in wide receivers in a league, he might have been my top if I went really running back heavy. But if not, he was my second. So that was a, a crushing blow to the teams where I drafted him.
0: Yeah, that's just that I drafted him in one league in the I think the fifth or sixth round. I was at the end of the round and I drafted him. And I was just thinking at the time I had drafted on this one team. I'd already had. Cooper Cup and Chris Godwin so I thought I was oh such a money receiving core and then to add Brandon Ayuk I'm like boom clinch now I can just focus on building up my running back core some more and start focusing on where the valued quarterback is going to be but I did not anticipate that after the year we saw from Brandon Ayuk and how he was utilized last year Ryan I'm with you there I I thought it was going to be much more lucrative by the, the way, thing
3: for you, though, is Cooper Cup made up for him and himself. Oh, so uh, dude, you, you know what, okay. man, MVP by far
0: has to yeah. be. We, we've had a few strong performers. I mean, Derrick Henry has been up there, then he got hurt. Then you have someone like a Jonathan Taylor, who was very reliable as well. And then Cooper Cupman man, was just on a totally different level. There, he, there are some guys a lot of these,
2: outscored four different teams' entire wide receiving cores in PPR format, especially
1: where you got him, too. I mean, he's right. definitely value. And speaking of Ayuk, another one that I will add into that MVP fantasy mix, which is also one I did get right, was Debo Samuel over Ayuk. Debo Samuel was amazing this season, uh, definitely great value where you got him in drafts.
0: Yeah, de- I mean, I mean awesome value pick there. He was going down in the rounds a little bit, and I was wondering who was going to be the priority. But yeah, for those that went in on him, were worried about maybe his health, they got rewarded. For those that were worried about old age, and you went after guys like Matthew Stafford, and especially like me, I had Tom Brady on three different teams, and I was happy as hell regarding that. And until he proves otherwise... I'm going to continue to draft Tom Brady because let me tell you guys, once we hit August, those doubts on, is this going to be the year his body breaks down, that's going to keep his draft value very tight in that eighth, ninth round area, at least in my opinion. Okay, maybe he goes up to the seventh and that's it. But if I'm seeing him in that eighth or ninth round, I'm once again going back in next year, guys. Yeah, well, he's
3: not going to have Brown and uh, Godwin is is surely going to miss part of the season after tearing his ACL late, but it doesn't matter. Like he'll find somebody else and and look at Cyril Grayson for Christ's sake is the fantasy winner in the past few weeks. So I I'm with you until we see it. I'll, I'll go down with the ship the year I'm wrong with Brady. I definitely, uh, he, his body can't break down if he never gets touched. So basically right. that's it.
0: Right. All right, guys. Well, listen, let's go to the Family Times family table every single week. We all bring something to the table. It could be just about anything we want. We don't go too controversial. We try to keep it fun regarding what we're bringing to the table. It could be a fantasy tip. It could be a shout out to a player. Anything you want. Let's start with our guest of honor once again, Justin Vreeland. Vreeland, what are you bringing to the family table?
1: All right. One thing I I, I would like to say, like – if you plan on fading a player, take advantage of like the alternate route. So for me, I faded Ronald Jones completely. I didn't draft him in a single league, but did not capitalize on Fournette in enough leagues. I had him in some, but if, if I'm so sure that Ronald Jones is going to be useless, well, that means Fournette is not going to be useless. So I would say if you're going to be out on a player, be in on the the, the other option that you you know it just makes more sense to to, to do that
0: okay. giving yourself a little bit of a floor with your train of thought i mean you're betting on yourself because if you're off one of the players and rather than just fade the team you could take advantage there and buy into your own philosophy so i'm with that justin very much Only it's a like
2: rap- handcuffing right
0: what's that it's like handcuffing it's I mean, a different
2: way to handcuff. It's not, but.
0: it's, it's not, it's almost like strategy handcuffing. Right. Because he's out on the player he does not want. So he puts him on that side,
2: but right. handcuff he wants bet. to still be in on the, the team. The actual opposite yeah. of the, yeah. the mental handcuffing.
0: That's yeah. what we're calling it here. So I like that, Justin, very much. Only a Raptors fan can think of that amazingness right there. What about you, Cells? What are you bringing to the table?
2: Uh, what I'm going to bring to the table is. You know, uh, sort of a similar vibe that Breland just bought and brought, which is believe in yourself, right? So I got into this Twitter debate yesterday about uh, people are starting to draft NFBC baseball leagues, right? Yes, there's a lockout, but people are pretty convinced the season's going to happen, so they're drafting. Well, there's runs on closers happening. People are going nuts for closers early in drafts. And I said closers are useless. I'm never taking a closer that high because they shift all the time. And why spend the draft capital on a one category guy at that spot in the league? And so me and Matt Williams and a couple other people got into a debate about, well, if the room is going there and paying up for that, you know, stat category or whatnot, then you should probably follow. I said, no, that's when you zig and go get the value they're leaving on the table. Because here's the thing. If I spend two late-round picks on a guy, on an eighth-inning guy I'm pretty sure is going to get a shot at saves, and it pays off, then guess what? I've got a better bat and better closers than you got because you blew your draft capital on a closer you were so sure about. So that kind of goes along with what Freeland was saying. If you're betting on the same thing happening, which is closers losing their jobs, which happens – all the time in baseball, stick to your guns, draft your value. If it works great. If it doesn't do the same thing again next year, because guess what? My big money league, I never pay up for closers and I'm perfectly fine finishing towards the bottom and saves when I know I'm going to smoke you in offense because I now have the money to go spend on a bat.
0: There you go. Again, for those. Hey, just because the MLB is in lockout does not mean we don't have fantasy baseball on our minds. We're still getting guys
2: coming out January 17th. Business as usual here. Nothing
0: stops for us. You don't understand that. Even when sports stopped for us on the site, we were still pumping out content. I
2: was busier than ever when sports stopped because we redid (laughs) the entire site when sports stopped. Right. We, we were talking we were talking about
0: Dan Malin and his lack of condiments in his life and John and Pemba like a vanilla ice cream. Let me tell you, those conversations are some of the most fun and humanizing conversations in the world. It has nothing to do with fantasy sports, but there's so many people. It's like I forget who I was saying this to recently. I could tweet out, let's just say my starting five and be like these five guys are going off. Lock it in. They're going off. Going to be fire. Emoji, lit, 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 all that kind of stuff for the millennials. But then I won't get as much action. And then I'll tweet something out like I just made a duty and I'll get like 500 likes on that. That's the way this world works. What's that?
2: That's impressive that you can get like for a literal poop tweet. You can get 500 likes. That's well, crazy. I haven't
0: gotten that yet. I haven't gotten that yet, but I'm just say- using it as an example. I thought you said, "Oh, that's amazing, Fancy. What? That I'm not constipated? I guess so. A lot of roughage in my diet. Is there diet.
2: a musical commercial
0: in
3: here somewhere? Is that what's happening? I'm not getting paid by any sponsors.
0: <laughs> Ryan, what do you bring it to the table?
3: Uh, I don't really have a whole lot, so I'm just going to put out uh, positive vibes for my 49ers this Sunday to beat the Rams and get into the playoffs, or at least please Atlanta take out the Saints so we can back our asses into the playoffs. And if for some reason they don't, I'm putting all my uh, all my good karma behind the Bengals, because that's going to be the team that I'm going to root for if, if my team goes out. So, you
2: know that uh, the Bengals can still get the top seed in the AFC?
3: I think anybody can, right? Like, all four of them? Or I haven't I looked so at all the. Like
2: Ten- so the Bengals would have to win. Tennessee, Kansas City, and the Patriots would all have to lose. And then Cincinnati gets the tiebreakers. They're just fun to watch. I like the team. Even though I just bashed Joe Mixon a couple minutes ago.
3: We want could see, see Night
2: football League. end in a tie. If the Colts lose to the Jaguars. <laughs> no, you laugh. But here's <laughs> an interesting fact for you. The Colts... Have not beaten Jacksonville in Jacksonville since 2014, regardless of who's been playing quarterback for either team.
1: The Jags were just losing 50 to three to the Patriots last week. <laughs> <time.
2: laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, they've been It's real not likely bad. to happen, but weird things have happened. If the Colts lose to the Jags, the Chargers and Raiders could orchestrate a tie so that both of them make the playoffs. Interesting. That, that's yeah. Coaches have a summit in the middle
0: of the field. All right, look, let's let's let help me help you situation. Yeah, basically. Right. I like that. It's hey, you know, what? by the way, the Bengals getting the one seat. They won't do their usual lose in the first round like they have tended to do over the last 30 years well, or that's so. That's true. Yeah, so it's that's them. They're always one and done. They go, not even first round, boom, they're always out. How, they're like the Cleveland Cavaliers from the 1990s. They could have a great season, 55 wins, Larry Nance, Mark Price, and boom, out in the first round of some rando schmuck team. I am going to give to, for the family table, and I've said this on Alarm After Hours on XM, and I'm just going to say it here. If you're a fantasy sports commissioner, by the time payments are due – When you guarantee a certain amount of money, if that's what the prize is, you have to execute on that. If you are unorganized and you do something like, hey, you have all the funds, but you decided to spend them on Amazon or whatever. So now you don't have the league treasury anymore or you just didn't collect the league entry fees. And now you're too afraid to ask the league mates for them or your league mates are holding out on you. That's you. That's on you. You're the commissioner. At the end of the day, it sucks. But you're going out of pocket when that. It's happened to me. I had to one time. I used to be the most generous, softest commissioner out there. But I'll pay me whatever. I trust you. And then I got screwed. And you know what? I could have given less of a payout. No, that's not how it works. I committed to the payout. I kicked that schmo out of the league. And you know what? I went out of pocket for it. And, and even the winner was like, you know, you don't have to do it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm the commissioner, just like all of you are the commissioner. If you do not have all of the payments and you don't have all of the league fees and you're having people hold out on you, that's your deal with that specific league mate. Don't let it impact the other league mates. You make up for it. You pay for it out of pocket. I'm very strong by that, guys, because, again – I've been screwed before by league mates from being too nice of a guy. And you know what? When it comes to fantasy sports and money, nice guys finish last when it comes to that.
3: Yeah, yeah. Let me follow up on that. Don't be the dick that doesn't pay before the season starts. Let's, let's, let's not put the commissioner in that spot. And I've done it before. I've been the guy who's like, oh, yeah, I'll get it to you. And, I, and of course, I always do. But just don't. Just friggin' pay. If
2: not before the draft, at least before the opening day. Just no, not, not in my league if you
1: haven't paid me.
0: Yeah, right. my
2: baseball league doesn't let you draft if you don't pay. Like right. you literally can't participate in the auction if you don't pay. Right. Yeah. Like I said, I was very I
0: was a very soft and forgiving commissioner. That's you see, sales, this is what happens. Nice Jewish boy. This is what you get. Yeah. Kicked <laughs> in the face. Right there. You can follow Justin Vreeland, our guest on Family Times, at Justin Vreeland on Twitter. Follow all of his work, fantasyalarm.com, dfsalarm.com, a multi-sport fantasy sports analyst just like the rest of us here on site. Justin, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We'll have to have you on again because we talked a lot of the negative side. We can talk more about the victory lapping sides and more players that we got right about. We'd love to have you on again. Sounds good. For Matt Sells, give him a follow at the Salesman on Twitter. NASCAR coming up in the next month or so. Ryan Hallam always lurking around, whether it's football, baseball, or just making sure our projections are intact. Give him a follow on Twitter at Fighting Chance. I'm at Fence D Sports. We'll see you next week. Good luck to those playing in Week 18. It's going to be a doozy. Let me tell you, you'll see why. See you next week on the other side. Family times we out. Always dominate. No other option. We will win.